0: Night Talk with Oliver Dixon. Jamie, good evening. Thank you so much for your time. Really, really do appreciate it. U.S. imperialism is something that the world over we've been cautious about, at least in the global south, right? And we've always warned against it, but we never really had the collective power to stand against it. And here, South Africa faces what could ultimately be an ultimatum moment in its international relations life where it has to choose a side. Either it cuddles up to Russia or it safeguards its relationship with the U.S. Does President Ramaphosa have the depth at the moment to be able to make such a decision, given that he's a president that prevaricates just about every decision he has to make?
1: Well, it's a very complicated situation and it's not a solitary decision. Uh, Good evening to you, Oliver, and uh, to your listeners. And I think that that is the challenge because at some point a decision has to be made. But President Ramaphosa right now is sitting without um consolidated support so some ministers are beginning to be more assertive in their positions because they know that he relies on them for support so if you look at the positionality of the anc as uh you know tripartite alliance type of a movement uh, many of the partners have said that they are willing to go all the way with russia which is to say that they're not going to uh, be interested in arresting putin they're going to honor the Soviet era relationships and Russia's role in liberating many African countries, but also uh, South Africa, and they're not going to necessarily be used as a scapegoat um, or as a a tool to execute an agenda that does not have to do with their interests. And South Africa has uh, historically pursued a non-alignment foreign policy, but um, that is something that the voice of the party is stipulating. Mr. Ramaphosa himself, has really tried to cultivate healthy relationships with G7 leaders, and he has tried to align himself very closely to the Western bloc. But because of his position right now, in terms of uh, he's had uh, the Palapala scandal, he won uh, his second term as ANC leader, but not with a significant majority because um, he was sitting on about close to 60% of party support. So when you take everything together, you can see that um, even, even if he had a view, he cannot operate on this particular thing uh, by himself. And as such, it's likely that the view of the party at some point will be at odds uh, with what he may have as a personal interest.
0: Yeah. South Africa's non-aligned position uh, in global conflict has been one uh, that has really come into stark scrutiny over the last couple of years, right? Russia notwithstanding. Um, is that a real position to have in the international community, Um, it's only so far that you can be a fence sitter, so to speak, right? At some point, you have to take a position. How far will our non-aligned position take us?
1: Well, to be honest, Oliver, it's not really non-alignment. It's just rhetoric when uh, South Africa doesn't want to make a commitment on on difficult issues. If you were to look at just in, in the surrounding countries, South Africa has taken a position multiple times, you know, for instance, um, when uh, asked to, you know, condemn um, the government of Zimbabwe, they uh, actually actively uh, tried to give a positive narrative about the dictatorship in Zimbabwe. Um, there were times when um, observer missions were sent to Zimbabwe to observe the elections, and uh, South Africa actually ratified elections that later on it turns out that even uh, respected judges uh, had said that were not free and fair. For example in 2008 uh, the compipe report actually said that that election was not a free and fair election but the report was actually buried um and the official position was that it was a free and fair election and we all know that it led to a continuation of the mugabe dictatorship but at the time nobody wanted to say that it was a dictatorship so if you were to assess those kind of actions what you then see is that even though there is an assertion that there is non-alignment Oftentimes there is alignment, even the Omar al Bashir uh, instance um, was an example of alignment by, um, you know, de facto alignment, if you will, because conduct uh, led to a position because when they were supposed to arrest him, they found all manner of excuses not to arrest him until they had left the country.
0: Yeah. What would be the cost of a broken down relationship with the US?
1: Well, at this particular point, we're already beginning to see some of the soft signals. Right. Because uh, President Ramaphosa was not invited to the G7 uh, meeting in in Japan. And uh, initially, it seems that he had been uh, considered for that. And historically, South Africa gets this invite. But now they were saying, look, we don't know where you guys stand. And uh, the Minister of Home Affairs, uh, not Home Affairs, sorry, International Relations has been dressing down our diplomats uh, publicly on this particular issue. And obviously there was a message that is being sent that, listen, our diplomatic relationships with you are not necessarily going to continue down this road. So there are two types of uh, consequence that um, could be down the the road. One is the just energy transition type of funding. President Ramaphosa has really been uh, pursuing international funding from uh, Europe, uh, from Germany, from America, from France, and uh, they've made pledges that they are going to provide funding for this Just Energy Transition to help companies uh, such as IPPs uh, be built and to get South Africa to actually stop its reliance on coal. Uh, but a lot of that funding has not necessarily, the FNBE wallet has not arrived, yeah. so to speak. Uh, and if, if, if um, there's continuous aggravation of uh, Western nations, I do think that some of those pledges will go away. That's number one. Number two, South Africa has um, is part of AGOA, which is the American uh, preferential trade agreement with many African countries, where you can get uh, your goods and, and products into America without uh, the tariffs that typically would be, um, you know, charged on those particular products. And uh, these AGOA agreements are renegotiated every uh, so often, and I think one of them is coming up, if not this year, next year, or 2025, but it's really close. And One of the things that does happen is that countries can lose that preferential access. It's some of the things that America uses as part of its soft diplomacy um, to try to actually say, listen, you guys are making a lot of money here. Would hate if something would have to happen to your deal. Um, So down the road, that's the kind of thing that could go away. I don't know if you remember, there was a big fight about chickens uh, a while back when people and then South Africa had to backtrack because um, the cost of losing a goal was deemed to be Uh, much higher than the cost of allowing American chickens uh, onto South African shelves, even though they're not necessarily as good as local chickens. So that's an example of some of the power that uh, uh, diplomatic, uh, uh, that that the European countries in America, the Western bloc exerts right now. However, you know, it's not as if China and India do not have um, their own offers uh, in terms of like benefits that exist, because we do know that a lot of... um, Uh, finished goods come from China right now. We do know that China is actually um, participating as well in the South African economy, just not to the same extent as the Western nations. The other real big thing um, right now is that South Africa is part of the Western financial system even more than any other African country. You know, uh, if you were to look at a lot of the stock exchange kind of offices, they'll say Tokyo, London, New York. uh, They'll also say Johannesburg. we are part of that international financial system and it's a Western dollar based international financial system. And we are very much plugged in our banks. I actually, if you look at the last global competitiveness report, South African banks were in the top 20 globally. Um, just to show you how sophisticated our financial system is and where it sits in the global system. So. If there is a view that South Africa is violating sanctions, that South Africa is now becoming a conduit for you know, some kind of money laundering or yeah. uh, violating any of the financial uh, bar- barricades that the Western countries have put on Russia, for example, then there is a potential risk to South Africa being removed from the financial system. And also that would have an impact on the rent. But that's not an immediate thing. But just imagine a situation where the war keeps escalating yeah. and Putin is in South Africa shaking hands with Naledi Pando and red carpets are being rolled out. That would be a, considered to be a very big middle finger towards uh, America, France, the UK, Germany. And I I, I, I wanted to point, pause there because I want to speak about all the other
0: Western allies. They seem to still be buddy-buddy with Ramaphosa. But before we go there, let's take a quick break. We continue the conversation on the other side of this. Night Talk. Giving you depth and texture to the conversations that matter. Give us a call. The number to dial is 086-002032. I'm taking your WhatsApp voice notes on 0614-104-107. Let me repeat that. The number to dial, 086-02032. And if you want to send a WhatsApp voice note, it's 0614. 0614- one zero four one zero seven tweet me at oliver underscore speaking that's on twitter oliver dixon on facebook you and i can engage on those platforms as well jamie america's agitated right deeply so but it doesn't seem like other western allies are emmanuel macron still seems to be buddy-buddy with sarah ramaphosa they seem to be having a a, a a healthy ongoing relationship uh the british royalty had a few months ago rolled out the red carpet for Saro ramaphosa and treated him like royalty surely the uk Uh, which is an important Western ally, France, an important Western ally, does not see South Africa's behavior as necessarily agitating.
1: Well, well, you know, I think we must uh, delineate the uh, perceptions of President Ramaphosa and the perceptions of maybe uh, Minister uh, Naledi Pando right now, because I think it's very clear that, um, you know, for instance, Anthony Blinken, Secretary of State of the, of the USA was not happy with the way that basically he was lectured by her and then it went viral. And uh, she has been uh, very confrontational when um, asked about these issues around um, you know Russia and she's made it very clear where she stands. And she's a very powerful minister. She's been in that cabinet position for a very long time. And uh, it doesn't seem as if anybody will disagree with her actively so i think that's this is that we must make that distinction between the 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 way that the western nations are dealing with individuals and how one individual is giving more the official position of uh, the, the government and another individual is not necessarily entering into those waters even when he was asked about it he said no we're going to be thinking about it we're going to be applying our mind but um, uh, minister pando is actually giving clear direction about where the ministry is at right now having said that though Uh, What's interesting about uh, uh, Emmanuel Macron, the French president, is that he actually has started challenging some of the uh, talking points that America has been uh, driving because he actually said that, listen, Europe needs its own uh, autonomy from America. Europe cannot be a NACI to America. And he went and and, and say those things just after coming back from China. So as you know, the geopolitical divide right now is that you have uh, these G7 nations and then you've got the BRICS nations. But what Macron was actually saying is that me, I'm willing to cross the table because I actually think that America is bullying us in this situation and we need to make our own plans. But oftentimes you'll find that Macron actually makes very transactional arrangement. So he may very well have made some deals that will bring Chinese money into certain things. I remember when I watched the World Cup documentary, um, what kind of deals France got for the World Cup vote. It was very, very uh, businesslike. And they made sure that Qatar bought a soccer team, Qatar funded a television station and made sure that they got something out of it. So when I look at uh, him, I think there is an interesting positionality around him. But he's he's in his second term and he will not be there for long. So he may not actually be the person we need to be watching in terms of how France is moving. We need to be maybe watching other players also within the French political system to see how they will be responding. Uh, But obviously in the immediate, he's not under any threat, he will have to respond. And while he's challenging, I don't think that he will go against his other partners, Germany and others, because Germany is very clear on where they stand on this particular issue. Having said that, um, we also need to make a delineation between the royal family and Rishi Sunak, because the royal family has very strong relationships with President Ramaphosa, as we saw, very favorable towards him, but they do not make policy policy especially uh you know uh when it comes to foreign 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 affairs policy that's going to come from the president and his foreign minister and they're very clear you know uh the secretary of defense in the uk ben wallace is very very uh gung-ho on ukraine very very opposed to russia we saw that they're actually uh trying to increase the amount of spending that they are sending towards. Um, ukraine so it's unlikely that rishi sunak ben wallace and uh the hawks uh that are in in that particular uh you know tory party will walk away from this without seeking some kind of consequence for south africa if and when um this happens so uh, it, it's this is you know we're talking about it now oliver like it's it's a small thing yeah. right this is actually a very big threat to uh, the geopolitical global order from an international law perspective, yeah. because you know to try to get uh, a, a, a regional uh, you know player like South Africa, we, so it's like getting getting the security guard at the gate to arrest the biggest bouncer in the neighborhood. It's 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 not an easy proposition for anyone involved. So um, to ask South Africa, well, South Africa is a significant uh, country in Africa. Number one or number two economy, depending on how you measure that kind of a thing. Most industrialized, we all know, advanced and sophisticated democracy. But in the global scheme of things, South Africa is not a country that you can be asking to go and arrest people um, of, uh, of 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 Putin's stature. And if if ever this happens one direction or another direction, you know, the, the 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 cleavage is going to be quite significant. And what we often do when we have conversations um, in, in the South African media, but also in the African media, is that we'll act as if something doesn't matter until the day before. And then all of a sudden we're all running around, uh, you know, panicking about what's going to happen next week. And, you know, um, you'll see this when the Zimbabwean elections start, because right now we're ignoring them. But as soon as it's now game time, there'll be correspondents. there trying to do all of the work that was supposed to be done from January in two weeks. And I think that's what we're going to see as we get closer to this BRICS event because countries have applied to join BRICS. Saudi Arabia and, and other countries have said that they wanna join. This particular meeting in South Africa is supposed to be a show of force for BRICS. They want to show that they can go it on their own. And South Africa is a critical part of that because as you know, China and Russia have been doing a lot of work in Africa, and they believe that they have a a lot of sway here, and they do. So it's not likely that Putin will say, I'm going to skip the summit. Yeah. He's not likely to say that.
0: Just maybe last question to consider, um, as a footnote, but also unrelated to South Africa, is the United States of America, as the streets would say, losing clout?
1: Yes. Yes yes i mean right now and joe biden is not helping but also the the, the offers on the table uh, are not attractive i mean if you're looking at america saying it's trump or biden it's two uh, geriatric uh, men you know who, who don't seem to always be at full grasp of everything that's going on with different kinds of scandals swelling around them questions about their acuity of mind and fitness for office uh, for different reasons i mean right now america is looking really weak and then you look at yeah. china and, and they are, they look like they're ready to take over. You know, it's like watching a, a, a young boxer going against an old boxer. Like that first fight, was it Ali versus, I can't remember who it was, where Ali was hungry and the old champion was just, you know, arrogant and he got beat up. And even though people thought Ali wasn't gonna win, he did win. Right now, I think Oliver, you know, uh, the last time I was in America, people asked me, when are you coming to America to live there? And they thought that like, they were making me a special offer, you know, like, ah, oh, you can come and be in America. And I said to them, no, I'm not coming here, it's a mess. you know." And I said that years ago, and now things are progressively worse. So I think that America has lost a lot of clout and we are living through a very, very significant moment in geopolitics. People will be asking us to lecture on the things that happened in 2023.
0: Jamie, thank you so much for your time. Really, really do appreciate it. Jamie Miti, researcher analyst as well as political analyst. Follow him on Twitter. You can find him over there. We're going to take a quick break. On the other side of that, we speak to Slicker. And we're going to be talking about artificial intelligence disrupting the music industry. All of that and more on the other side of this.